Hello, this is Brian Wampler with another episode of the Chasing Tone Podcast, a podcast where we talk about guitars and amps and effects, as well as a healthy dose of off-topic discussions. Joining me today, of course, is back again, Blake Wyland. Uh, if you don't know, Blake is himself the host of another guitar podcast called The Tone Mob. On that podcast, he interviews a variety of artists and creators and other gear, gear builders. But today we discuss, uh, both of us had a new guitar day. A new guitar day. Uh, we discuss, have we hit peak pedal? We'll explain what that means. And neural DSP. Blake confesses his love. He's been wrong all along. Let's jump into it. We're back on the Chasing Tone podcast. It's been a bit. It's been a while. It's been one week. Oh, no, that's a different thing. It's probably been longer than that. It's no? been uh, three weeks. Three weeks since I think we've had like a normal normal podcast conversation type of thing. Wow. I know we that did a lot. We did a Facebook lot or Instagram live or something, but that wasn't yeah. a normal episode. How did the uh, How did the regular podcast listeners like that? I know the Instagram live people liked it. But you know what? I actually didn't really hear much. I don't. I don't get a whole lot of email regarding these podcasts. You know? Yeah, I only do when something really weird happens, or <laughs> or, or someone gets mad at you, or somebody gets mad at me. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's a it's a weird thing. But like, I definitely get messages. It's kind of funny because I get messages sometimes. They're like, "I listen to you on Chasing Tone." I'm like, "Great." You listen to Tone Mob, and they're like. What's that? <laughs> Tone Mob? What is that? I'm like, uh, it's the other podcast that I do. But hey, you know. It's like, why would I do that? I already of... listened to you on one. Right. Why do I need to give you that much more time? Well, that's a good point, though. That would be more Blake than I would would think people would want in their life at that point. But Right. I, I should probably apologize to the... Uh... To those listening, because I'm still I'm still working through my 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 Namthrax. I did catch it this year, even though I used giant sums of uh, hand sanitizer, washed my hands plenty, and I still got the Nam flu for like a week. It's a, it's a potent strain this year. I used more Holy sanitizer crap. than I ever have because I was like concerned because I had that real bad flu here a few weeks ago. Yeah. Or a month ago, whatever it was. And I was like, I do not want to experience that again. So I just, I like hand sanitize my entire being like all the time. And I still got a little something. I was still hit with it for a couple of days. So I was, it was so screwing with me. I was driving my wife crazy because I was, I was laying there awake at night going, who could I have possibly caught this off of? <laughs> like I was trying right. to, I was running through all the people like, who has this that I didn't wash my hands after I shook their hand or something? I'm like, I can't, no, I, I, I just can't think who it is. I don't so. think there were any cleaner people at NAM than you and I, and somehow. <laughs> Still. That but, is very true. But who knows what's going on. But I've got some, uh, got some, some things to talk about in the tone department. One thing in particular I'm very excited about. Oh man, don't die on me. Sorry. Don't, we'll try, we'll try to mute some of these coughs out as I go, but unfortunately, when I, <laughs> when I laugh, I start coughing. So stop making me laugh, Blake. It's all your fault. All right. Oh, I'm such a comedian. Such a hilarious person. 
But I don't, I don't have, have like a mute. Yards, right? I don't have a, oh. a, like a mute switch or a cough switch either. I mean, I'm just going through my DAW here. Yeah, that makes it tough. Yeah, I have a little mute button here, but you don't. I really, I actually have thought about like making one. You know, I probably should make one. That's true. You could make an analog one. I was thinking about yeah. digital. But yeah, you could totally make an analog, just a kill switch. Yeah, Wouldn't just a, just a quick kill switch. Yeah, yeah. Throw a little boss flip flop switch switching thing in there, and you know, kill the kill the signal to ground. Maybe buffer it up real good. You know. Ooh, maybe mm. you should just make a preamp. Really make it sound mm. real nice. Mm. That's a good there idea. There you go. That's, that's what Josh from JHS should do on his uh, color box next. Make a make a little cough or mute switch on that mug. Hey, that's you know? not a bad idea, considering uh, what type of uh, type of pedal that is. And that's FLRs what I'm saying. and all that stuff. That's a good idea. That that one's for free. You can have that for free, Josh. Just because I love you. <laughs> that's the only reason. <laughs> well, so you so, said that you got a new guitar. I got a new guitar. Let's talk about our new guitars. You go first. Me go first. Okay. This one I've been waiting for for a long time. I've talked about it occasionally on this show, I think. And it finally arrived uh, just the day after I got home from NAMM. So that was cool. And it is a Jazzmaster-style guitar made by Carmine Street Guitars in New York City. And they, they build guitars out of what he calls the bones of old New York, which is he goes to, like classic New York buildings that are being like torn down or under construction or something. And he takes some of the wood that's being thrown away and he builds the guitar, the guitars out of these old, old, old pieces of pine. And so I've got a body that is made from the bones of a place called McGurk's suicide hall, which is a like insane story of a place like if you look google that and you'll find all kinds of crazy stuff it's like if you picture gangs of new york if i don't know if you've ever seen that movie but i have not no well some of the listeners probably have it's like from that era it's like a bad 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 place (laughs) it was a scary scary bar where people killed themselves um and that got torn down a few years ago but rick grabbed some wood from that and that's where the body comes from and then the neck comes from Trinity Church, which is an old, old church, and it was uh, from the bell tower, which caught on fire uh, again a couple years ago. And while they were rebuilding some of that, Rick swooped in and grabbed some of that wood. So I've got that. And then his apprentice, Cindy, who also makes guitars there, she's she's a really good artist. And I had her wood burn into the back of it, those two buildings. So... The art uh, on the okay, back I, remember, really cool. I remember seeing, I saw the graphic and I wondered how that fit into the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes, that so, makes sense now. Because the graphic looked really cool on the back. Oh, I just man. didn't, I didn't know the connection there. Yeah, I'm not like a big, like some people will do, like have art done on their guitars like all over the place. And that's not really my thing. I kind of like simplistic stuff. But I thought it was nice to have it on the back and I can just look at it. It's just for me. I can just peek at it once in a while. But it's, she did a tremendous job. She, I, don't, I don't even really know how she did it. But wood burning is a, a skill that I don't have. So, Oh, I can burn wood. It just doesn't look like anything when I'm done. It looks like a bunch of ashes. I, mean, I, oh. I love to burn logs. You know, maybe cook hot dogs on them. Oh, um, I love a good hot dog on a fire. Love a good mm. hot dog over, the, over fire. Maybe a, a nice cold, uh, 
you know, Coors Light for you. You know, Blake, I know how you love the Coors Light. Um, no, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. No. I'm from Portland. We can't even talk about Coors Light. (laughs) It's not okay. Uh, yes, I get you. I'm a bit of a beer snob. I know, I know. I, get you. Sorry, I had a fantastic, everyone. I think it was called, it was made by Brecker Ridge, maybe. It was a vanilla porter. It was quite mm. fantastic. That sounds good right now. Oh, that sounds was, really good. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But anyway, so my guitar, I, um, you know me, it's like every time I go to Nam, I'm surrounded by all the Friedman guitars, and I always end up taking one home. Oops. This <laughs> this year it was uh, it was a nicely beautiful deep medium well how would I call this not like a fluorescent blue but a very very sky blue um, relict Telecaster with a with a, yeah just regular humbuckers I couldn't remember if it was PAFs or not but no just regular humbuckers in that guy and oh I um, saw that thing mm. oh that is a pretty guitar mm. Mm. yeah. Mm. I'm digging it. That's so, so cool. But, the, but, you know, the thing is, like, I kind of feel bad. I have Why? so many Telecasters that I can't. It's just silly at this point. It's it's just getting <laughs> silly. Well, I mean, I didn't want, um, since you said it, I didn't want to say anything. But, you know, I only have two Tellies, and they're both completely differently configured. So... I have four guitar racks, and like three of them are full of tellies. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, I can't, I can't hate on it. I love Telecasters, and I have like three Les Pauls. So you know, who am I to judge? Yes, yeah, so I've I got saying? a fake Les Paul and then a real Les Paul. But Your fake Les Paul is cool, though. I like it. I like the Telepaul. Speaking of oh, Telepaul, oh, actually, yeah. did you see the the? Uh, the things that Fender had in their alternate universe that that were like no. straight up like Les Paul customs, but they were in Telecaster format. I, I've kind of I've stayed away from the bigger companies here recently. To be honest with you, I I didn't see. I mean, I saw they released some stuff, but I didn't really pay attention to it. Oh, they're so pretty. You can go back to my Instagram and check them out because I think you would really dig them. They're well, they might be a little flashy for you because they're you know Les Paul custom style, but. They had like a triple pickup one uh, in black and then a double pickup one in white. And I just was like, these things are just beautiful. I mean, they're they're just taking less Paul aesthetics and putting it on a Telecaster. It's not like it's particularly innovative, but it spoke to me in, in magical ways. Is it the mm-hmm. scale of a Les Paul still? No, I think it's still a Telecaster scale. Uh, I think. Okay, yeah. See, that makes a, such a huge difference. Just to remove it. Huge it does. difference. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big scale length difference. is scale length is something that I don't even know if we've talked about that much on this podcast. We probably should do a deep dive into it and how that impacts things. At one, we of might these days. need someone smarter than myself. I, that, that's about all I. I'm just looking at it because I have, a, you know, Telecasters with humbuckers, and then my Les Paulicaster, which is the scale of a Les Paul, but in kind of a Telecaster body, and it's a set next, just like a Les Paul, and it's. Yeah. Um, it's completely two different, two totally different worlds. Two totally different worlds. So, I, uh, I, I, uh, I have no science behind it because I don't really care that much. 
Well, see, I don't know the science behind it either, but I do know this. So my Les Paul Jr., I've, I think I've kind of decided that I'm going to eternally keep it in D standard because it sounds just so awesome in D standard. But I, I did that because Mike Ness from Social Distortion does that. and then But they play in standard tuning, and he capos it at the second fret. To, hmm. so he tunes it to D standard, capos it at the second fret. And I was like, well, that's weird. Why would he do that? And he says he does it because it sounds better. So, of course, he is Mike Ness, and he's a hero of mine, so I had to try it. And he's right. It sounds different. And I, I my theory is that has to do with the shorter scale length. Because when you do that, you capo up and, you know, right. change the scale length, figure, you know, yep. essentially. So I think that's why it sounds cooler, but I don't actually know the science behind it. That's just my theory. I don't know. Yeah, you need to get someone on your podcast that knows uh, knows a little bit about what they're talking about there. And I'm not your man. I'm not the guy if for I'll, it. <laughs> if only I knew somebody that knew something about guitars. That would be handy, wouldn't it? Hmm. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody around that can help you with that. Oh yeah, we'll get we'll call somebody. Yeah, we'll figure it out between the two of us. I'm sure we can find somebody who knows something about guitars. I think I would. Th- I would think so. I would think so. So what else uh, is you were talking about something peak pedal. That's what it was. Have we? Oh yeah. Have we, have we hit peak pedal? I got asked that question a lot this year at NAM and after NAM. People were like, have Pro- we hit peak pedal? And Probably I think should define maybe, what that is too real quick, maybe. Yeah, and, I, and in the context of what the questions I was being asked, it was like, have are we just going to see the same old thing rehashed from then on out? Or are we going to ever see actual like new effects come out? And I personally can say like, I know there's new stuff coming, so I can't I can't be too specific about it. So I would say no, we haven't hit peak pedal yet. But I wonder what your thoughts are on it. Uh, you know, I mean, some would argue that we did a long time ago. You know, I mean, I I guess I'm kind of torn because on on one side, like I think about it, and there's there's so many different ways. Like if you're making a distortion circuit or a fuzz circuit or whatever, there's different ways you're going to do it. But uh, there are, I mean, there's only a few different types of like op amp gain stages, for example, or you can use transistors as a gain stage. So there's only like a handful of ways that you're going to do that. And I, I like, I would call those building blocks, right? Like when a non-inverting op amp stage looks something like this, the values may be different from one piece to another, from, you know, pedal one to pedal two, but that's how you that's how you do a non-verting op amp stage is like you know like in this example that you can't see because <laughs> you're listening to a podcast <laughs> and then I'm just, a youtube video i'm just envisioning so, it in my brain right yeah so try to try to picture something that some sort of chicken scratch that you, you don't know what it means and let's just call it a non-inverting op amp stage i mean so so there's there's a set amount of ways you're going to do it but you can start putting different building blocks together, you know, and make, what if you parallel them? What if you series and parallel? What if you do EQ here and, uh, you know, what if you don't do EQ there? What if you, I mean, like there's a million different things. What if you change the impedance so it's all funky there? You know, what if you put three different gain state or uh, EQ stages in between it? What happens? Like there's things like that. Yeah. I would, I would argue that, 
for whatever reason, people are still more interested in a lot of clones, even even if they don't want to admit it. And yeah, uh, I mean, I I think Earthquake are just proved this by coming out with the plumes. You know, yeah, and they said, "Hey guys, this is another Tube Screamer clone," and everybody gave it attention with their money and bought a ton of it. Right? Mm-hmm. They kind of proved the point. You're still gonna buy if you're if you're into Guitar Gear, you're still gonna buy a Tube Screamer clone in 2020, even though year after year after year after year after year after year after year, there's someone that's offering a Tube Screamer clone somewhere. Prob- oh, yeah. multiple someone's actually. So, yeah, hundreds of someone's probably. I mean, from my opinion, yes, but it, a lot of it's because we know you're just going to buy another Tube Screamer clone anyways. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're so, me. but in, Unless it's Blake. Yeah, and that's an entirely different story. But I should say, like, I have overdrive pedals. I have a few that, like, I know for a fact are tube screamer based that don't that aren't voiced like a typical tube screamer and i do like them so yeah. that's that's kind of my thing and even the plumes i think is a good example that that does some stuff that a typical tube screamer doesn't I, do that, that yeah I, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't call that a typical tube screamer sound at all no um, but not. i mean you know for, for there's a lot of people that are pretty insistent on not getting a tube screamer and they may, I mean, it's like a lot of this stuff is really kind of subjective, right? Like what, when is it not a tube screamer? At what point when you, after you change four parts, after you change eight parts, like at what point does it stop being a tube screamer? I don't like, I don't know. There's not really any guideline there. You know, there's not, there's not a rule book that says, well, when you've changed three parts and it no, it, it now varies eight and a half percent different from a standard tube screamer. It's no longer a tube screamer. So, I don't know, man. I mean, to me, I like things that are different. But if any, if if the business has taught me anything over the years, it's that a majority of people don't like different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, guitar players tend to be very, uh, I don't know, stubborn. I guess is the way to the way to put it. It's it's weird, but it's also like as a player and somebody who doesn't make pedals, you know, I was always curious what, like, of course they earthquaker came out with the Palisades, which is like the super tube screamer, like the original super tube screamer. Right. Right. But I was always like, you know, I wonder what Jamie's take on that would be just like people hit you up for years and was like, I want to hear a tube screamer from, from you, like specifically asking, I want to hear Brian Wampler's take on a tube screamer. Like, in no like without batting about terms or using veiled you know terminology they would say that specifically to you so that's why the clarksdale exists you know it's it's funny like you get jamie was adamant you remember like before the the palisades came out they were adamant that they would never make a tube screamer yeah jamie did not want to make one at all yeah he was not a big fan of of doing that no but But he also at the end of the day yeah, so. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he has customers that want to see that, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of his job to f- fulfill customer desires, whether he wants it, to make a tube screamer or not, you know, a hundred percent. That's why he did it. Like he right. didn't, if it was his choice, he never would have made those. So <laughs> that, that's, 
exactly right. You know, that's why <laughs> other guitar co- it's why guitar companies make guitars other than Telecasters because you got to sometimes for the for the weird people that don't like a Telecaster. <laughs> oh, no, such, such weird people. Such weird people. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> but no, I mean Julie like that. <laughs> J- Julie and Jamie, that when they came on the show here, uh, what was it? Probably like a year and a half ago. Like they talked about it. Like Jamie talked about. Like no, I didn't want to make a tube screamer. Finally, Julie came to me. Who like Julie does a lot more of the the businessy stuff, and she's like, "You're going to make a tube screamer." <laughs> like, there's too many people asking for it. They talked about it publicly, so it's not. It's not like it's a a thing we're revealing. Like that's right. So Jamie's, Jamie's like is a fuzz face. That's what he likes to build. <laughs> Yes, that's his thing. He's made like yep. hundreds of fuzz faces for his personal use, just because he likes making fuzz faces. Right. It's a, you know, everyone's got their thing. That's very true. Yep. And I can't blame him for it. So I, I mean, you know, for as far as peak pedal, I think we're definitely seeing a lot of trends. I mean, you know, Nam showed us like Walrus came out with uh, a pedal that has a lot of options, like the Chase Bliss stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, di- digitally controlled analog, right? And they're not—they're not the first one. To, uh, I'm sorry, they're not like the. Um, it's not that Chase Bliss was the first to do that, and it's not that Walrus was the first person to copy that idea from Chase Bliss or anything like that. But I would say it's two of the most popular companies right now doing it. You know. Yeah, the Walrus one is full digital, though. I think. I'm pretty oh, is sure. it? I thought it was analog. It was controlled. No, I don't digitally. think it's. No, I think I think it's a full digital platform, but it is oh, like very. Well, then similar. I take my comment back. Give it back. <laughs> Here, you can have it back. Here, you, unless I'm wrong, in which case your comment still stands. And now I wish there was a device I could like pull this up and try to look and figure it out. If you know, if only there was, you if, could, there was if, way to do that. If there was like this website you could go to and type in questions and get answers from it. Yeah, that'd be I know. Awesome. Look. Oh, oh, look, I found one. Uh, here it is. Let's see. Lugal. Lugal.com? Lugal.com. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, If you type in walrus delay pedal, uh, I wonder what comes up. Uh, the D1 series. It is a digital delay. Yep, high okay. fidelity delay pedal. Even. Okay, they make, I stand corrected then. Crystal, oh, there it goes. It doesn't matter. But but it's got a yeah, doesn't matter what flavor of delay you're searching for crystal clear digital swirling modulation drenched or warm vintage inflected they're all in here so yeah that's definitely a digital pedal there. yeah but yes uh what were what were we talk why were we talking about this I can't we even were talking remember. about peak pedal oh yeah peak pedal oh yeah yep. I don't think we've gotten there I I got to I got a sneaky peeky at some stuff that's cut co- that didn't get released at Nam but is coming. That's pretty exciting. That definitely has not been done before. And uh, and I know of some other things. So like I have a little bit of a, a skewed view on it. So I'm going to say, no, we have not hit peak pedal yet. But are we close? Maybe. We might be getting close. But there's still but, people coming out with new ideas. There definitely is. Even if we are, I guess I'm just having a hard time believing that that's the end of the pedal game. I mean... <laughs> I mean, how many of us are using a tube amp? <laughs> no, well, I, mean? I, I don't think that means it's the end. It's just, I, I guess, it, at what point is is there nothing new under the sun, I guess. But it seems again, like everything just kind of cycles through and starts over. It's like things get really, really complicated for a while, and rigs get great big, 
And then everybody changes their mind. They go back to simplicity. And then it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it just seems like a cycle just repeats over and over. I think you're right about that. Because if you think about the massive racks and stuff back in the day, those were very complicated rigs. Like, there was a lot going on there. And then people uh, listen to Nirvana and they're like, I guess I just need a DS1. Maybe that's all I really need. <laughs> I just need a twin, a DS1, and a pawn shop guitar. Yeah, like that's all I got. And and that was the thing for a while. And then, you know, people started building massive pedal boards. Of course, you know, there was a there's a whole pedal documentary thing that's going on as well. Um Yeah. With reverb. Which, yep. yep. So like pedals are pe- pedals and pedal culture have like really taken off and and I, I don't know, what what era would you say that it really became what it is now? When did that start? Cause you were kind of around for that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like it's always morphing and involving. I mean, it's definitely a lot more popular than it was in 2008. And in 2008, it was a lot more popular. It was in 2002. I mean, it just seems to keep growing and changing. Like it, it's, it, it's entirely, entirely different than it was 10 years ago. I mean, just everything, the types of products, the way the products look, the, um, that, and this is hopefully not going to offend people, but it's just what the data shows. The types of customers that overall were buying pedals, it's a different type of player and a different type of consumer than it was back then. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just things just seem to be changing. That's the, um, you know, the only constant is that things are going to change, of course. And this is no different. You know, yeah. I, I guess what's, what I find fascinating is what types of players, are going to be buying our products or at least interested in products like ours in five years. You know, like mm-hmm. when I think about that, that's what fascinates me because, um, you know, I, I really like a lot of the digital technology, but I don't think everything's going to move to a completely digital side just because people still like analog stuff. You know, people, they just do for whatever reason, whether well, I you do. believe in the tube, tube amp hype or not. Some people just like it. And then other people like the convenience of not having a tube amp. So that just brings up something. I have to, I have to admit something to the audience. Uh Oh Uh, yeah. This is hard for me to say. It's a very difficult thing for me to, to admit to publicly, but I got to come clean. So yesterday I made my first song that was for uh, somebody else to use. Somebody, wanted me to make some music for their podcast intro. And I was like, sure, I can do that. Uh, you know, g- give me the vibe. And they gave me the vibe, and I made some music for them. And that was really fun. It was really cool. But uh, I just plugged right into my interface and did the whole thing that way. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't use, I didn't use my amps or pedals. And I feel kind of dirty. I feel like a bad person. Am I Been a bad there. person, I've, um, <laughs> there, there, there was a song that I was working on. It's been a few months ago. And when I, when I did it, I, it was like all an idea phase, right? So I'm just using plugins, whatever plugins are in logic. And I forget what else I have in there. Um, might be some IK multimedia stuff in there as well. But anyways, my point is I was just guitar into interface and then using plugins. And then when it came time to, I went to re-record it and use like a proper amp and, Etc. And 
It's like <laughs> I was almost I was struggling to get as good of a tone as I was to the plugins with in, in at least in my room with my limited mic selection and you know limited knowledge of miking technique and you know the preamp I have isn't a super super high quality one. It's like a Focusrite Pro Sapphire Pro. So I can uh, I can feel your pain. There's the plugins are pretty damn good right now, man. They really are. You want to know what's even worse? Yeah. These plugins are not modern ones. I was using old GarageBand ones. Really? <laughs> and you know what? It actually sounds pretty good. And the client was happy with it. So there you go. I guess if it is, if it sounds good, it is good, right? There you That's go. Kind of how, kind of how it works. No, but honestly, it was. I it started with a with bass because I don't have a I don't have a good bass amp, and this song really needed bass. Uh, in fact, the bass is kind of like the most important part of this particular track for the vibe they were going for. And I was like, well, I'll just plug in uh, straight in and I'll, I'll do the bass that way. And then I'll mic my amps up and do the guitars, you know, the quote unquote real way. And I was just like, Hey, that bass sounds pretty good. Maybe I'll just mess around with the guitars a little bit. And next thing I knew I was done. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, you know, uh, me being the not anti-digital guy per se, but like me being the guy who's always poo-pooing the helix and like talking trash about it on the internet, even though I don't really think it's bad. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I just owe it to the audience to admit what I've done. That's just uh, what I have to do. Well, I don't definitely worry. think it has its place. Uh, have you seen um, Neural DSP? Did you see that at uh, at Nam? I did. I didn't get the chance to play it, but. I mean, they're they, those things sold out like immediately. Yeah, like, they're pretty fantastic. Yep, they sound awesome. I guess we should probably um, tell people what it is so that that they know because they may not. So have it's it. it's kind of it, well. So it's basically a, a very high end digital modeling device using machine learning. So think of it like a Kemper style. A Kemper style um, modeler, but a step ahead. The Tesla version. It's like the Tesla version. There you go. That's a good way to put it. The Tesla so version. If Tesla made guitar modeling, it would be Neural DSP. <laughs> yeah. Well, Neural has been doing, uh, you know, in the box DSP for a long time that people really like. Yeah. But now they've come out with like basically like a, a helix competitor, a, a unit, yeah, a, a hardware unit of itself that that utilizes this stuff, yeah, yeah, and it looks pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm probably not gonna get one still because I'm that guy, but still looks pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, just you know what, just just hold hold your ground, Blake. Don't uh. Don't ever give in. Don't give in uh, to uh, to the man, you know? Well, I feel like I kind of did yesterday. <laughs> like I caved. I caved too hard. Uh, uh, other than all that, it was always, as always, it was very nice to see you at NAMM because we, we're always just, I'm looking at an orange screen that says Brian on it. That's all, that's all I usually see. So it's nice to see you in person. And Amanda, too. This year, she didn't make fun of me as much. So that was nice. I think because she was on the verge of fighting, uh, fighting her own name issues as well. Oh so no! She ended, up, she ended up having a really bad like migraine and sinusitis and all kinds of crap like that. So oh no! 
We were both a mess. That's why she yeah. wasn't making fun of me. I would rather she felt good and made fun of me. That's terrible. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't have the energy to. But don't worry, she made up for it on the way home. <laughs> she made fun of me behind my <laughs> she, back. All, the she whole talked way home. about you behind your back all the way home. It's oh, great! Thanks, Amanda. That's great. <laughs> she did. Oh some, boy, <laughs> it's funny. You know how every now and then we'll talk about her and glitter, or, you know, doing cups or capes or whatever. And so every now and then someone would say something about it, and she she. <laughs> She pulled me aside one night. She's like, how do these people know about me? <laughs> like, well, we have this thing that's called a podcast, and Blake and I talk a lot. <laughs> we talk a lot. Like, a lot. In fact, it, you might almost be able to say that there are literally hundreds of hours of recorded conversations between you and I on the internet, available for download. Very true. And, you know. All that stuff is Google searchable. It's true. You know? And we have talked about Amanda's glitter uh, actually more than more than you would think. More than you would think for a guitar podcast. It's uh, become a common topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What else well, do we I think, have? I was going to say, that's about all I have for this week. I mean, um, it's, a, it's about 30 minutes, so we're at a good stopping point. We, we want to wait till you know, next week to talk about some more stuff. I don't know. It's probably a good idea. I do want to plug something real quick. Plug uh, away. Our, our, we have a listener and a, for a guest that's been on my podcast before. His name's Chris Millett. He's a, a music therapist by trade. He just started a podcast called Make More Music. And it's a lot different than this one. But he interviews people uh, that do various things in the music industry and... It's a really cool podcast, and it just launched today as we record this, so uh, it's it's there on on the good old iTunes. So if you like this podcast, go check that out because he's a uh, very good at what he does, and he interviewed me for some reason. So there's it's that. called Make More Music. Yes, got it. It's a pretty good show. I'm uh, I'm enjoying it so far. He's that guy does a really good job. I have to check it out. That's all I got, though, hey, for now. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Chasing Tome podcast. As always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email podcast at wamplerpedals.com. I'll personally get your email, and I'll personally respond as well. If you like this podcast, make sure to share it with your friends, your bandmates, others into guitar podcasts, you know, that sort of thing. If you'd like to show your support for the show, the simplest and free way to do that is to simply go to the iTunes store or your favorite podcast app and leave a positive review. Maybe say something like, you know, the older gentleman on the podcast is quite handsome. Something like that. Uh, you can also check out WamplerPedals.com. And you know what? Check out some of our merch. We have some fantastic new merch, shirts, and cups, and all kinds of stuff on there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>